if you'll remain standing at this time, and if you'll open up your Bibles to Psalm 23, uh, we're going to begin this morning with our, our scripture reading. And I don't really think I have to introduce this psalm. It's probably the most well-known piece of writing in the history of humanity. And so as always, as we come to a familiar text and we kick off our summer in the Psalms, probably in the best place you could probably start it in Psalm 23, let's just try to read this for the very first time as if we were a weary and dry people walking through a weary and dry land and then somebody gave this to us and said, look at this. Psalm 23, if you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on the screen. King David writes, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May God bless this word. You may be seated this morning. Well, I want to welcome you to White Oak this morning. I want to introduce you to a lift that's on the stage. Um, this is actually the thing we've been using to lift. We're replacing our AC right now, so uh, we've got a lot of renovations. We're running at about 50% this morning, so don't worry. This is not what it's going to be like from now on. But we were blessed to give that. But that, this thing's pretty cool. We're giving, like, free lift rides for the kids afterwards for 10 bucks. We're going to lift them up and bring them back down. <laughs> Just kidding. Adults, too, but you've got to pay 20 So all going to the renovation fund. Just kidding. But man, summer is here. Praise the Lord. It is the most wonderful time of the... Can we get a round of applause for summer? Let's give it up for summer. We're talking about the beach and sand and people taking vacations. I got a a newborn, so my vacations aren't going to be as involved this year. But you guys are going to be taking vacations, like really long ones to really nice places. And I'm going to rejoice in in your vacation when you post it on Facebook. You know, we're just going to do this together. But summer is here. It's the most absolutely wonderful time of the year. I always say Christmas is a close second, but summer is just my favorite time of the year. It's a fun time in the church. We got Kid Week starting off this week. Let's give it up for Kid Week. Come on now, Kid Week. Now, we already got, I think, 50 kids signed up online, and that's just online registration. And so uh, we are excited about what God is doing. We're excited to share the love of Jesus with all the little kids. And, and let's be honest, the volunteers have even more fun than the kids do. So if you ever volunteered, you know it's totally true. It's more of a blessing to us than the kids. We basically put on Kid Week for the volunteers, and the kids are just kind of like a sideshow, you know. Um, but I'm so excited. Um, it's going to be a great summer. And uh, as, we, as we head into the summer, I want to offer you a grace, is that you have the moment this summer to reflect on your personal prayer life. And if you're like, I have no prayer life, that's okay. That's why we do this, right? If you're like, I don't pray. I'm not really a spiritual kind of person. I get that. That was me for a long time. And I was like a Christian, but I didn't really like the praying type of person. You know, it was kind of weird for me. I liked reading the Bible, but prayer was like, 
you know, it was kind of weird. Um, but we're going to learn to pray together this summer. We're going to go through the prayer book of the Bible, which is the Psalms. And we've got a, a prayer guide at the back for it. It's absolutely free. It's a really, really, really short read that just teaches you how to pray. And it's a really in-depth biblical look at prayer. Uh, it also gives you some prompts to pray. And so if you struggle with prayer, you're like, I don't really know how to pray. I don't really have any prayer life. Please grab that book. And even if you do, please grab that book because I'm telling you, it is a blessing to reevaluate and to look at yourself about halfway through the year. So, um, but uh, as we turn to Psalm 23 this morning, uh, the, the title is called Crushing Worry because I wanted something emphatic, right? Because I have this theory, and I've, I've shared this theory before. It's not, you know, mind blowing or anything like that. Um, what I've experienced in my life, maybe you've experienced this as well, is like, we're all pretty similar, right? I know we've got some differences and different personalities and some of you are like really outgoing and some of you like hate people, you know, hate social interaction, right? Some of you are tall, some of you are small, some of you have more analytical minds and some of you are like the tortured romantic heart people, you know, like where we got kind of a little bit of differences, but I think deep down most of us are all pretty similar and I think that should be comforting to us. And, and one of the ways that I know that we're similar for the most part is every person I talk to really struggles with this thing called worry, okay? Raise your hand if you've ever worried about anything in your life, right? Raise your hand if you're worrying about something right now. We're always worrying, right? Like everybody worries, everybody has anxiety. You know, it's funny, I love being in community groups and getting to know people and opening up in a more intimate setting, and it never fails. Like every time you get in a community group with somebody and they start opening up, they're like, yeah, I I struggle with anxiety. I don't think anybody knows that, you know, but I kind of worry a lot, you know, and I'm like, okay, yeah, me too, and so did them and them and like every human, you know. We all worry about stuff, right? Some maybe more than others, but all of us struggle with, with worry. And I was, uh, I was thinking about why this is, right? Like, like how come every single person struggles with worry? What's the root of that? And I was thinking about that this week, and you're gonna love this word, right? The reason why we worry, I think, deep down is because we are not omnipotent, right? Raise your hand if you know what the word omnipotent means, right? Okay, omnipotent, right? It's a theological term that basically we use, we derive it from scripture to describe God, meaning that God is all-powerful and able to do anything, right? So God is omnipotent. He has omnipotence, meaning he is all-powerful and can control every single thing in the world. You and I, however, are not omnipotent, the Bible says, and your life would probably go to explain this, right? We can't control everything, right? And let me give you some examples. The weather, okay? Have you been following this weather? My goodness, I was telling Halsey, it just looks wet everywhere. Like, I know rain always makes stuff wet, but it just looks like the world is just, like, soaked right now with just all this water, and it's falling, and it's falling, and it's falling, and the, the ground is so soaked. And, and the weather's a good example of something that we often worry about. Why? Because we can't control the weather. If you've got plans tomorrow and you're going to be outside doing something fun, you're, like, worried that it's going to rain, aren't you, right? Or if you're taking your kids to, like, the mall or the zoo or something like that, you're afraid that it's going to be, like, 95 degrees with, like, no wind, and it's going to, like, sunburn everybody, right? We worry about the weather ultimately because we can't control it. We worry about physical health. A lot of us worry about our health and our heart and our, our body, and, and it gives us stress and anxiety. And, and the reason why we worry about our health ultimately is because we can't control it in and of ourselves. And so we worry about our kids getting hurt because if our kid gets hurt tomorrow, we can't just like snap our fingers and make it all better, can we? 
Now, we tell our kids a little kiss makes it all better, you know, and I think emotionally it makes it all better. But we know that, that, that our physical health is something that we can't control. Even, even the best doctor in the world cannot keep people from passing away. We worry about losing our job or failing at work. Because we know that if someone decides to fire us from our employment, that there is nothing in our power that we could do to make them from stopping to fire us. We, we worry about that. We worry about money because it's true, it doesn't grow on trees, right? We've got to work hard for it. We don't have an endless supply of it. We worry about money. We worry about our families and our, our friends because we don't possess all the power to help them in their times of need. We worry about people struggling with depression because we don't possess a magic bullet to fix that problem. We worry about things ultimately because we don't control everything. Because think about it, if you were omnipotent and you could control everything and you knew that tomorrow if your kid got hurt, you could snap your fingers and instantly they'd be better, you would never worry again, would you? Because you would be in control. And, and the reality is this when you think about it, and this can kind of be scary at times, we walk into the future every single day blindfolded. We wake up every day knowing we have no idea what's going to happen. People talk about, I wish I could see five years into the future. I wish I could see five seconds into the future. That would be amazing. You, you can't tell the future even two seconds from now. I mean, you can anticipate some stuff, right? Maybe you smart people out there, you're like, I've evaluated the odds, you know, this is what's going to happen, you know? But for the most part, right, the, the, the 98% of us, like, we walk into the future completely blindfolded. We know we are not in control. We know that we are ultimately vulnerable in this universe, and so we worry, and we struggle with anxiety, and we have fears that often abound in our hearts. And so that begins to beg the question that is it actually possible to live at peace in this world if we are not omnipotent, if we don't control everything? Can we walk blindfolded into the future and not be anxious all the time? That's a, that's a pretty good question to ask. Can we live a happy life even though we are not in control of what happens to our kids and ourselves and our jobs and our money and our country and the weather and you name it? There's a million different things that we don't control. Can we live a happy life following God's call even though we can't control things? And even if so, what's the bridge from worry to a life of wonder? What, what, what's the bridge from a life of anxiety to a life of happiness? What is the bridge from a life of fear to a life of peace? Can we actually live at peace in this world? Is it even possible? Can we actually crush worry in our lives? The answer is yes. But you've got to follow me on something, right? You've got to come with me on a, on a journey on something. You've got to come with me to a whole new way of seeing the world. If you want this, you're going to have to change your thinking. You're going to have to change the person you're following in this world. Because what King David offers us in Psalm 23 is a yes when it comes to can we crush worry and anxiety in our life. Because Psalm 23 offers all of you this morning, I've got really good news, offers you a whole new way of living then I guarantee you that you're accustomed to this morning. Psalm 23 is a psalm that has probably been read to thousands upon thousands of people. 
as they passed away in their deathbed. Psalm 23 has been read at weddings. It is ministered to the masses because in it we find a glorious truth that is to want God is to have everything. To want God is to have everything. You see, we pursue everything. We pursue money and we pursue control. We, we have this illusion that maybe somehow we could strum up enough control in this world to, to live at peace, right? We, we have this illusion that we live under and yet Psalm 23 says it's way more simple than having the, the perfect house and the perfect job and the perfect car and the perfect kids and the perfect marriage. All these things that we seek and get overwhelmed and worry about, David says, you need only want the good shepherd. Turn to me to Psalm chapter 23. Let's just read verse 1 here really quick, right? Psalm 23 verse 1 offers this solution. This crushes worry and fear in your life. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I'm going to read that again, right? Because we, we, we read this and, okay, yeah, cool, whatever. Like, no, no, no. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want once. I love the, the original language of this text. You could translate the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want to say the eternal is my feed. Let me say that again. The eternal. That word for Lord can also mean the self-existent. The God that is so present, so around us, so, so close to us. The God that is so big and so amazing and loves you so much. He's self-existent. He's eternal. He is the one who feeds you. And therefore, I shall not want. You see, we have to understand who King David is, too, to really make this, like, really drive home for us. Because King David was a guy, I know you got it bad, but King David had a lot more things to worry about, probably, than most of us in this room, okay? King David was a king in the ancient world. And so what that meant is that constantly he was trying to be dethroned. People were uh, sending armies to attack his kingdom and trying to dethrone him, right? But what you have to understand is it was very different in David's day because if you got dethroned, if your empire got conquered, usually what it meant was that the king would be murdered and killed. And so for his entire life, there were foreign armies that were attacking them. And if he got captured or if he got defeated or if the Lord did not come through for him, as we're reading about in Psalm 23, even though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, if the Lord didn't come through, he was probably going to die. This is unlike American politics and leadership where like if you're the president and you get voted out of office, boo-hoo, you got to live the rest of your life in your mansion, in the Hamptons. You don't have to work another day in your life, right? Like if you get voted out of office, you just get the easiest, most peaceful life, getting paid tens of thousands of dollars to give speeches at colleges that nobody remembers, okay? Like that's your life for the rest of life. I, it's funny, I, I see politicians come out of office and like, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm like, you must have a lot of money, right? Because if I didn't have a job tomorrow, like, I'd be applying everywhere, right? But like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the next year to, like, think through it, you know? I'm like, man, you must have, like, a stockpile of money or something. You know, these people are, are wealthy and rich, but, but King David was a man whose life was always on the line. And yet in the midst of that, King David was viewed as a man after God's own heart. He was a man known for wanting God so deeply, you see, you have a choice this summer. 
As we stand at the brink of this summer, June 5th, 2016, you're approaching the next two or three months of your life. You can enter that period of your life worry-free if you will learn this verse, that the Lord is your shepherd, therefore you shall not want. That though we do not have control, there is a God who ultimately does have control. So look at verse 2. He offers a vivid image of what this looks like, a vivid, colorful image. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I don't care what era you're from, lying down in green pastures is awesome, okay? I don't care if you're in 3,000 years ago King David or today out in like the, the, the green rolling hills of like Switzerland or something. Just think of like sound of music, you know? Rolling green pastures leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. That could also be translated, he returns my life to me. So he says that we have happiness because we have God, not because we have money, because to want God is to have everything in this life. But then he gets real in in verse 4, and we can relate with this. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, So he's saying, look, I I want God, and and I'm pursuing him, and I'm running after his own heart, but, like, my job is still tough, and um, having relationships is still hard, and people are still trying to come after me, and things are uncertain, and the bills are, are tight. But in the midst of that, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though I pass through this world that is broken, of which it will not always be, because God will redeem it, even though I walk through that place, I, I will actually fear no evil, Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Quick note on rod and staff. Like a rod and staff, the same rod and staff that would lead the sheep sometimes would beat them, right? When they were acting out or not living as they should, right? Sometimes God lovingly leads you along. Sometimes he's got to kind of get a little tough with that rod. He's kind of beat you a little bit, you know? You ever feel like God's like running you through the ringer? It's for your good. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. So it says, even though we go through tough times, we have hope because we have God. So we want God above everything else. And in the last verse, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So we have happiness because of God. And tough times, we have hope because God is our shepherd. And we have a hopeful optimism of the beautiful future ahead of us because God is our shepherd. To want God is to have everything. And and this really hit home for me this week. You know, every time you you preach a sermon on something like this, you can just be sure God's just going to drive this point home in your life the entire week leading up, you know. Just like he's he's just going to pound that truth into your life, you know. That's kind of how God does it. Um, I was probably Monday or Tuesday, um, I forget what day it was, it doesn't really matter, it was all a blur, um, and I had just gotten home from work, and it was a good day, but it was a busy day, and, and so it takes me a while to unwind when I get home sometimes and transition to family mode, and got home, and uh, there's, this, there's this envelope that's like sitting um, right inside of my mail slot, and I walk over and grab it, and I actually kind of like opening the mail, you know? I know mean, that's kind of old school, you know, like snail mail, like the mail that actually, the paper mail that comes to your house, you know, it's, it seems kind of old school nowadays, but I kind of like it. It reminds me of an era gone past, you know, I kind of like it, kind of old school, you know. It's like eventually we're going to be having like, like envelopes, like, like it, we're going to be selling them on eBay for a bunch of money because people don't do that anymore, you know. Um, 
my grandkids are going to be like, what, you know? Um, but I got this letter in the mail, but it was not a good letter, okay? It was a very bad letter. And uh, it was a letter that I had been expecting for a little while, and it was from this place called uh, Texas Children's Hospital. And uh, some of you know where I'm going with this. Um, we've recently had our beautiful daughter, who is just the light of my life, you know. And we were expecting the hospital bill to come. Um, I, was, I, mean, I figured it was going to be coming, and so I saw it. And I, oh man, I had this image of what it was going to cost. I had this, this number, and the, the people had kind of walked us through a little bit of what it was going to be. And um, when I opened that letter this week, I have never felt so much financial anxiety in my life. You know, I mean, like, I was, I, st- I was, like, studying this text over this week, even though I walked the vow, it's so good, God, you know. And then you get the medical bills, and you're just like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I, 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 I sell my car. Like, I, I don't know if I can pay this. I'm trying to listen to Dave Ramsey recently, so he's all, he's all about don't do debt, you know. So I'm like, oh, what do I do, you know. Um, I get this massive bill, and I just can't explain it. I, I know you know what it's like. Like this, this sharp pain of like anxiety rushes through your body. And so I began thinking, like, so, so what if I don't take a Psalm 23 approach to this? What if I take a common worldly approach to this problem that I have, this financial strain? What happens? Like, so, so what would the world say? The world would say, well, you need to go out and get more money, right? You need to go make money, right? Because if you make money, then you can pay for all these things. So the solution to financial problem is more money. That's what people will often say. You've got to get more money, spend less and get more. But then the question is, what about when the next bill comes and the next bill comes and the next bill comes? And they raise your taxes because you live in Oak Forest and supposedly everybody wants to live there now. So now it costs more money to live there, right? What happens when the next bill comes? So, so no, m- money won't fix the problem. So what can I do? <laughs> Have no more kids. That's another option, right? Don't do the kid thing anymore, right? Just be, be, be one and done, you know? And then I won't hopefully get a medical bill for that. But then what happens if my car flies off the road and all this 290 construction, <laughs> which is pretty likely to happen, I feel like, and I've got a medical bill for like another reason, Psalm 23 offered me another way to see my bill. It offered me this opportunity to have this audacious faith that if I just keep pursuing God in my life, if I run after him and his goodness, that he will be with me, that he will walk with me through this, that he will provide for me, and instantly what happens is you receive the peace that they say surpasses all understanding. Because God is sovereign over my money and my job. He's sovereign over Texas Children's Hospital. He's sovereign over your problems, and he will walk with you in the places that we find ourselves. But but let me kind of tell you real quick, the implication of Psalm 23 for your life, right? So to want God is to have everything, and that's a very mental image, right? That's a heart image, right? But what about practically? What about with our hands? How does this apply to us? How do we crush worry and fear with Psalm 23? And I think Jesus offers this image in, in the Gospel of Matthew, and I think what Jesus teaches us is that worry and fear are crushed by a wondrous pursuit of God. In your life, worry and fear are crushed by a wondrous pursuit of God. And I'm so excited to share this with you this morning because, man, God just blew my mind with this truth this week. Turn with me to Matthew uh, chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. This will be our last text for um, 
for this morning. Um, because I think what Jesus tells us, because he tells us in a, a math, or John chapter 10, verses 9 through 11, Jesus uses the same image a thousand years later and says that he is the good shepherd. So it says, the Lord is my shepherd. Christ comes, God in the flesh, and says, I am the good shepherd. The sheep hear my voice, and they know my voice. And so if you have heard the voice of Jesus in your life, if you've read the scriptures and you've been like, man, there's something different about this book than every other idea and every other religion, you're hearing the voice of Jesus in your heart. You've heard the voice of the good shepherd, you know he's true, you know he's authentic, and you're running after him now in your life. But he teaches us about anxiety in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. And I'm just going to read all this into verse 34, just because it's so amazing, it's so good. Jesus offers a new way to approach life. He says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So profound, but we struggle with this so much. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, which means store up, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. God provides well. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? We as humanity are special. O you of little faith. Therefore, don't be anxious about anything, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus tells us what we can replace worry and fear and anxiety with in our lives. I think so often what happens is we read to want God is to have everything, and we believe that, and that's true, and that's a good starting point in Psalm 23. But the problem is people say, don't worry. That's it, right? It's like saying, don't think about purple elephants, you know? I bet you're thinking about purple elephants. Don't think about three purple elephants, Don't think about my voice right now. It's like I lost the game. You know, I, you know, I, you, we, we, we tell ourselves not to worry, right? And we just want to, like, not worry, not do anything, right? And I think this is where a lot of, like, Eastern religions and mysticisms come from, where they, they have this idea that, like, to rid your life of worry, it's like getting to this place of zen or nirvana or this kind of quiet place where you're just kind of sitting still in a room by yourself and letting everything go. And it's like there's just like this, you're not doing anything, but you're just not worrying because you're releasing stuff into the universe. And yet what the Christian life, the, one of the main reasons it's so different is because it's so action-oriented. He doesn't just say, don't worry. He says, instead, fill your life with this. Seek the kingdom of God. He basically says, worry and fear are crushed by a wondrous pursuit of God. I have a newsflash for you this morning, in case you forgot this. God does not want you to live a life of worry and fear. He does not want you to be anxious, ever. 
And some of us just accept it. That's just part of life. And there's a, there's a healthy level of fear, of course, right? But God's will for our life is not anxiety. It's not worry. It's not fear. It's not to be paralyzed by all the things that we're afraid of in this world. God's plan for your life is to live a wondrous pursuit of him in everything you do, from raising your children to, to working your job, to making sure your, your lawn is cut, to paying your bills, to gathering with the church, that in all things we are pursuing him and we're diving into his goodness. We don't just not worry. We fill that place where worry used to be with a wondrous pursuit of God, diving deeper and deeper and deeper into who he is and into his goodness and to his calling in our lives, right? You've gotten to this point in your life and God has so much more for you, so much more more for us to do. We were created in the beginning to be the image bearers of God in this world. And every day when we wake up, we should be in wonder that we're living, that he has something for us to do, and that as problems arise, God will take care of them because he provides for the birds and because he clothes the lilies and because he's been faithful for every minute and second of your life leading up to this moment. And the problem we have is because, you know, we think because we get our food from Whataburger that God doesn't provide it, right? We think that because we get supplies from Home Depot that God doesn't provide it. But where do they get those supplies from? And what about the, the, the intelligence that was used to produce these materials and this food? We have a few more steps in the process, but we receive our food the same way the squirrels do from the earth and the beautiful creation that God has made. And we're able to process that we need food and to go get food because of the wonderful mind that God has created in us. And he's given us the ability to work together to create societies and civilizations. It all comes from God. He provides everything for us. But the problem is we're just like really bad wanters. We want things that can't control the future. This week we've been trying to get our house in order and we have like a really unique living space and so it's kind of like a smaller house and so we're trying, we need like this certain kind of couch and um, God really showed me this this week in my life because like we need to find this like really specific sectional couch, right? And because of the way the room is lined up and because we have this like random window in a really weird place, I don't know why they put it there, I need to find a sectional at some store that's 103 inches, okay? So if you want to be on the lookout for me, by by 67 inches with a chase that goes down because there's a window there and I don't want to block the window with the couch because that would look tacky and that would look weird. And we've been on this pursuit of a sectional couch that's preferably dark gray because we like that color. That's a certain height so my neck doesn't hurt when I watch the TV. That, that's got a certain fabric because my wife doesn't like leather, and I love leather, so we're not getting leather. <laughs> and, and we're looking for this certain couch, and we're going to these places, and all these salesmen are trying to work me, you know, and trying to, like, get me to buy something that I really don't need, you know, because it's 105 inches. Oh, it'll fit. It won't fit. I've measured it. it it's impossible to fit, Right? And we've been going after this thing and going after this thing. And, and I was just writing this sermon this week. And I was like, man, if we're not careful, we just start wanting the most stupid stuff. And like my whole day is ruined because I can't find a sectional. It's 103 by 67 with a chase so it doesn't block the window. And you laugh, but you got your own stupid thing that you're seeking this morning. Okay. Let's just do this together, you know. 
just the dumbest stuff, you know, and, and we, we, we get our hopes up. Because here's the thing, we want the wrong things. We don't want God. We want a certain kind of house or a certain amount of income or um, this certain thing in life. And, and we want something when we could actually have a relationship with the God who controls everything. And what I've come to find in my life is God either changes my heart or gives me what my heart wants if I'm pursuing him. See, Christianity is an action-oriented approach to life. You don't just cancel worry by not worrying. You stop pursuing these things, and you go on a wondrous pursuit in your life of God. So what does that mean? It means learn more about the wonder of God. Dive into who he is. Invest your life in learning more about his good and perfect and beautiful nature. Pursue God in a wondrous pursuit, meaning live life the Jesus way. Experience what it's like. Just, just be radical and generous with your money, right? Just, just help people, love people, give your life for them and see what happens. Pursue him, right? Don't spend time sitting in your room worrying. Get out and love somebody, minister to somebody, help somebody, love your wife, spend time with your kids. Go call up a friend and tell them how encouraged you are by what God is doing in their life. Serve at Kids Week, whatever, you know, do something, right? Pursue God, get on this journey, and, and, and don't spend time worrying about things because God's got those needs. You only need to seek the kingdom first. Christianity is not about just not doing certain things. It's about following a beautiful and certain path. And so in closing, I think there's just this illusion that we often live under. There is this illusion that if we could be in control, that all of a sudden life would be what it was meant to be. And we begin to believe this idea that the goal of life is to gain control so we're no longer going to worry. But what if I told you that happiness does not come from control, but surrender. What if I told you that you were created in the very beginning by the God of the universe to enjoy a life surrendered and trusting in him? What if I told you the purpose of your life was not to try and get a bunch more money? Money's not bad. But if our happiness is dependent upon our income, we'll never be happy in this life. If our goal is to have the absolute perfect kids, we'll never have that happiness in our life. When has God ever not provided for you? Ever. All of you look pretty good to me. You look well fed. None of you are naked. <laughs> you got money for clothes. I don't think any of you guys are homeless. If you are, let us know. We'll help you out. Every single day of your life, God's provided. Every single time. And I, I guarantee you didn't just probably provide. He probably provided tenfold for you. Because God provides everything for us. And all we're trying to do this morning is just pursue him and live in surrender.
because that's the wondrous posture we were created to be in. And the problem is when we get stressed out because we're not in control, God's just tapping you on the shoulder and saying, hey, come, come back to dependence on me. That's what the Psalms is all about. And I think one of the best ways as we close to, to know if you're living this way is if we're praying. Because if, if we're not praying, we're probably under the illusion that we're in control and we've got it. And whenever we come out of that illusion, we go to our Heavenly Father who loves us. So we're going to spend this summer doing that, wanting God, trusting God, depending on God. Because that's the great life we were created to live. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this whole new way of approaching life. I thank you for reminding us this morning that we were not created to live in an anxious, stressed out manner. God, whatever has brought us to that place, would you just free us this morning? Would you minister to our hearts and give us that peace that surpasses all understanding as we just go after you in this life? as we love you and try to love our neighbors and try to, to make a difference in this world for the name of Jesus, would you just bless us and provide for us all that stuff that we need in addition to that? God, we confess you are faithful that you have provided. And we lay down our lives in this place that you would do that again here today. We pray all these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.